God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I'm preaching from John chapter 4, and I'm asking this question, when will a man receive Christ? Now before I read the text, let me answer this question, and I hope the question will be answered through the preaching of this message. But a man receives Christ when Christ is given to him. If you haven't received Christ, he was never given to you. And a man receives Christ when he knows who he is, when he is revealed in the gospel. That is when a man sees Christ, when he sees who he is and what he did. Now, there's no such thing as God giving something to someone and them not receiving it. If he gives, you will receive. And if you receive, it's because he has given. Now, our text is found in John chapter 4, verse 45. We read, Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. Now, it's said of these Galileans that they received him. Now, he had gone into Nazareth, the place of his raising, a city in Galilee, and they rejected him. As a matter of fact, after he was finished preaching, they tried to murder him and throw him off of a cliff. But he, passing through their midst, uh, went his way. You see, his time was not yet come. But now he comes into this city in Galilee, and they received him. You and I will not be saved we will not enter heaven if we do not personally, intelligently, willingly, and gratefully receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me make another statement that's equally true. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither indeed can he know them. He lacks the ability to know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now, if I do not receive Christ, I will not be saved. I will not enter glory. And it's equally true that the natural man, that's what you and I are by nature, the way we're born into this world, born dead in trespasses and sins. The natural man 
receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He is unable to because they are spiritually discerned. And I have to be born of the Spirit. I have to be given a new heart that will receive Christ. So here we have two truths that are not in conflict. They're both necessary for us to understand. I won't be saved if I don't receive Christ. And I cannot receive Christ except God do something for me. Now in our text, the Galileans received him. They received him. As a matter of fact, when you read Luke's account, it says they received him being astonished at his doctrine. They heard what he said. They were amazed by it. They loved it. The scripture says he spake as one having authority. When they heard what he said, it recommended itself as the very word of God. He spake with authority. And what does that mean? Does that mean he spake with a very deep authoritative voice and people were intimidated by what he said? No, not at all. What he said recommended itself as the very word of God that a man must bow to. He spake as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, let me read this verse of scripture again. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem. Now, what is it that caused them to receive him? They saw all the things that he did. And that's what I want to major on for a few moments. All the things, all the things, not most of the things, all the things that he did. Now, there we have the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, they saw who he is. Now, they saw him doing the things that only God could do when they saw the miracles that he performed. They knew the things he was doing was only that which God could do. They saw all the things he did. He raised the dead. He controlled the weather. He brought matter into existence that was not before in the universe. Only God can do that. They saw the things he did. And that is why they received him. They welcomed him when they saw the things he did. Now, I need to first say what it doesn't mean to receive Christ. I say that because Men make the act of receiving Christ the thing you need to do before God can save you. That's why I'm saying I need to deal with what receiving Christ does not mean. Now, in the message of, I'm going to call it false Christianity because that's what it is. False Christianity it goes like this. God loves you. 
God wants to save you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Jesus Christ loved you. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He made salvation possible for you. God the Holy Spirit is calling you. God wants to save you. Christ wants to save you. The Holy Spirit wants to save you. But he cannot unless you receive him. You're first going to have to receive him before he can save you. Now this is the teaching of false Christianity. Let's take uh, Peter and Judas. Peter we know was saved. Judas we know was lost. Christ called him the son of perdition. Now, if God loved Judas and Peter equally, if God willed the salvation of Judas and Peter equally, if Jesus Christ paid for the sins of Judas and Peter equally, he died for Judas' sins and he died for Peter's sins. You know what that would mean? That would mean God's love didn't save Peter. He loved Judas the same way. It didn't save him. It would mean God's will didn't save Peter. Why he willed the salvation of Judas the same way he did Peter. It would mean the blood of Christ didn't save Peter because he shed his blood for Judas just as much as he did for Peter. It takes God out of the equation in salvation and puts salvation dependent upon what you do. Whether or not you decide to receive him or whether you decide to reject him. Now that makes salvation dependent upon man. And if salvation is dependent upon man, no one will be saved. If salvation is dependent, contingent, conditioned upon anything that I must do before God can save me, that is a message of salvation by works. Salvation by law. It's a denial of salvation by grace. Now, so when I'm talking about receiving Christ, I'm not talking about your act of reception being the determining factor as to whether or not you'll be saved. Now, it's true. You and I will not be saved apart from receiving Christ. But this act of receiving is not the act of salvation. I'm not saved because I've received Christ. I'm saved because Christ died for my sins. I'm saved because God elected me before time began. I'm saved because God the Holy Spirit gave me a new nature that believes the gospel, that has faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance toward God. I'm not saved because of something I have done. I'm saved because of what he has done. Salvation is not what the sinner does for God. It's what God does for the sinner. And even the act of receiving Christ is the gift of his grace. Now they received him. The people in Nazareth rejected him, but they received him. The scripture says in verse 45, They received him having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem. Now, they were at Jerusalem when he came into Jerusalem and drove the money changers out. This was very early in his public ministry. They saw this. They saw him say to his enemies, destroy this body and three days I'll raise it up. 
He spoke of his own resurrection and him being the one who would raise himself. He did many miracles before them. We're not told what these miracles were, but I know this, the miracles he did are miracles that only God can do. Can a man raise a dead man? Only the God man can. Can a mere man give sight to the blind? Only the God man can. Can man under any circumstance control the weather? No, the God man can. Can man create matter that was not in the universe before? No, but the God man can. He did what only God could do. They saw the things that he did. And when scripture says they saw the things he did, that means more than a physical sight. They had a perception. They had an understanding because God had revealed something to them. They had an understanding of the things that he did. Now, I want to spend a few moments talking about the things he did. He is the God-man. He's the second person of the Trinity. Let's consider the things he did. Well, do you know before time began, there were some things he did. Now, somebody says, how can you talk about things that happened before time began? Because the Bible does. That uh, God is the eternal God. And in eternity, before there was a creation, Christ stood as the surety of the people God gave him in eternal election. And he guaranteed their salvation. He said, this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. And also, before time began, everything that takes place in time, he purposed. Do you know there's nothing that happens that is not his will being done? Now, somebody's thinking, what about all the terrible things? What about all the evil things? What about the tragedies and the disasters? And the, is that his will being done? Yes. I don't pretend to understand why he does everything he does, but I know his character. And I know that everything he does is right, just, holy, and true because he does it. And I know what he does, he can do something nobody else can do. He always brings good out of evil. So whatever it is, I know that there's some very painful things to think of people experiencing, but he has decreed everything. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. He declareth the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. Now, this is who he is. This is who he is. Somebody says, I don't like that. I do. I'm glad it's that way. Uh, I would be scared to death if it wasn't that way. But the Lord Jesus Christ stood as the surety of everybody that he saved and guaranteed their salvation by what he would do for them and he decreed every event that would take place. Jesus Christ created the universe. What did he do? Jesus Christ created the universe. Now it only makes sense to think that God created the universe. Uh, when people are uh, atheists and they don't have a reason for creation. It's really irrational. Every cause, every effect must have a cause. 
Something must have caused this. We're born with this uh, knowledge. We see this creation. We see somebody made this. And he's all powerful. And nobody made him. He is eternal. Everyone is born with that knowledge. But you can have that knowledge and miss the gospel altogether. But listen to this. It was Jesus of Christ, the God-man, who said, let us make man in our own image. It was Jesus Christ. Listen to this scripture. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ created the universe. It was Jesus Christ who said to Adam, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You see, this was all a part of his purpose. Was Adam wicked in what he did? Was he responsible for what he did? Absolutely. But it's still all according to his purpose. Christ could have kept him from falling, but he didn't because it was his purpose. You see, if Adam didn't fall, there would be no cross. There would be no manifestation of the glory of God. Everything is for the cross. Now in time, the Lord didn't have a body. He was spirit, just like his father, like his son. But in time, some 2,000 years ago, Christ took upon himself flesh. He became a man. And as a man, he kept God's law perfectly. He never sinned. He never thought a sin. He never acted out a sin. He knew no sin. And he was incapable of sinning. Is God capable of sinning? No. Is Jesus Christ capable of sinning? No. He kept God's law perfectly. That's what he did. Well, what did he do? He kept God's law perfectly. Worked out a perfect righteousness. What did he do? He died. Now why did he die if he was never guilty of a sin? Because he willingly took upon himself the sins of God's people and he became guilty of the commission of those sins because he took them to himself. Now he never sinned. Don't anybody misunderstand me. Even when he was made sin, he never committed a sin. But he became guilty of the commission of the sins of everybody he died for. And when he was nailed to a cross, it wasn't as a victim. He was put there by the justice of God as the sin-bearing substitute. You remember when those men crucified him, the scripture says they were doing whatsoever God's hand and counsel determined before to be done. This was God's justice against sin. And when they took him down from the cross, what did he do? He died. They took down a dead corpse. His heart was not beating. He was not breathing. He was dead. Graveyard dead. What did he do? Three days later, he was raised from the dead. That's what he did. Now, why? Because he paid for all those sins that he died for. He put them away. He made them not to be. The scripture says he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. 
when he was raised from the dead, every believer was justified before God, made without guilt. Oh, the glorious things he did. He was raised from the dead. He ascended back to the Father. And right now, he's ruling and reigning. Somebody says, what's he doing right now? I can tell you what he's doing. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not pacing back and forth, frustrated because his will's not being done. He's sitting in perfect power and satisfaction. And he's sitting there as the intercessor of his people. The great high priest. Paul put it this way. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. As his only ground of intercession, his death in behalf of his people. And nothing else needs to be said. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for who is he that condemneth? Is Christ that died? Yea, rather that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. What's he doing now? He's ruling and reigning, making intercession for his people. And listen to this. He's coming again. He's coming again. Everybody's going to know who he is when he comes, but he is coming again. Somebody once said the... Um, Old Testament, somebody's coming. The Gospels, he's here. The Epistles, he's coming again. He's coming again to receive every believer to himself. Oh, the things that he did. Now, the text says, when he was come to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did. Now, if you ever see who he is and what he did, you will receive him. You'll receive him joyously. You'll receive him willingly. You'll receive him gratefully, but you will receive him. You see, when we receive him, we receive his words. If you don't receive everything he says, you've not received him. We receive his words. I think of John chapter 6 where he brought a message. And in that message he stated election. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He stated his intention. Uh, this is the will of him that sent me that of all which he hath given me I'd lose nothing. I'm not going to lose anybody I died for. He's talking about the definite successful atonement he accomplished on Calvary's tree. He talks about total depravity in this message. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You can't even come unless the Father draws you. That's total depravity. I mean, he said some things that when he was finished with the message, the people said, these are hard sayings. Who can hear them? Who can expect to be listened to such teaching as this? These are hard sayings. And then the Lord said to them, doth this offend you? What I've said, that this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? What he's saying is if you're offended now, you're really going to be offended then when you see me at the right hand of the Father. And then he said this with regard to his words, the words that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. And everyone who 
has been born of the Spirit and has spiritual life, they receive his words. He that's of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, the Lord said, because you're not of God. Now to receive him is to receive his words and to receive him is to receive his benefits. Acts 10.43 says we receive the remission of sins. Romans 1.5 says we receive grace for obedience. 2 Corinthians 4.1 says we receive mercy. Hebrews 9.15 says we receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Romans 5.17 says we receive the gift of righteousness. Now do you hear that? Righteousness is not something you do to become. Righteousness is a gift you receive. The very righteousness of Jesus Christ, his law keeping, his personal obedience is a gift that you receive when you receive him. We read in Galatians 4, 5, we receive the adoption of sons. We really can say this is my father's world. I'm his son. I'm his child. We receive the atonement, the reconciliation, Romans chapter 5, verse 11. Acts 1.18 says we receive power to be his witness after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. Now, we receive him. We receive him intelligently. Now, by that, I'm not talking about IQ. I'm talking about we know who it is we're receiving. We see who he is according to his word. We receive him intelligently. He reveals himself. We receive him. We receive him completely. There's no part of him that we do not receive. We receive him exclusively. When we receive him, we exclude all other ways but him. And we receive him gratefully, thankfully. We receive him. He gives himself to us, and we received him. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 12, we read, As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Now, his name is the person behind the name. It's not just talking about articulating audibly his name. His name is who he is. It's the person behind the, the name. We receive him We rely on his righteousness to save us. We rely on his sovereign will to save us, to will our salvation. We rely on his grace to save us. We rely on his power to save us. We rely on his wisdom to save us. Every attribute of God we're relying on. Now that's what it is to receive him. When you receive him, you believe on his name. And then John tells us with regard to these people who believe on his name, which were born. Here's why they received his name. They were born. Not of blood. Not because your mom and dad are Christians. Not of the will of the flesh. Not as an act of man's free will. Not the will of man. Not because a bunch of men said we're going to get together and pray for this person until they're saved. They are born of God. Now, we have this message on DVD and CD. If you can get it off our website or call the church or write, we'll send you a copy. This is Todd Niver praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. Amen.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.